Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I appreciate your time so much today. We're talking with Nick Lippett of Rocky Mountain Outdoor Living. Nick, how are you? Good. How are you, man? I'm doing excellent, man. Thank you. Happy New Year to you and your family. Happy to new, Happy New Year to you as well. Thank you so much, man. I hope everything's going well with you, and I appreciate you taking your time out of your day getting on the podcast. So can you give us a little bit of an introduction about Nick Lippett and Rocky Mountain Outdoor Living? Yeah, my name is Nick Lippett. Um, I own Rocky Mountain Outdoor Living in Colorado. Uh, we've been in business since 2007. Um, really looked at a growth phase of this business over the last four years. Um, we specialize in outdoor living spaces uh, that feature carpentry, uh, hardscape, landscape, and swimming pools. Perfect. And you've been in 07 uh, out on yourself? Like you've been doing your own business since 07? Yep. Yep. So I started Rocky Mountain Outdoor Living in 2007. Uh, so we're in year 16, the first 12 years. Uh, they were good. We played a lot. Uh, we had a really, really good time. Uh, I don't know, did a million, million five, just kind of cruised, uh, you know, made pretty good money, bought a, bought a house, had a boat, played a lot. Um, and then in about 2020, uh, that's when I sat down and I'm like, where is this going? and uh, decided to make the jump. I gotcha. And can you talk a little bit about what your business currently looks like? How big is your team revenue and everything like that? Yeah, so in 2020, that's basically when we decided uh, to build a business, right? Build a business that that you can exit, you know, that that is something more than just a construction company. So in 2020, we did uh, about a million two. And then in 2021, we did 3.2. And then in 2022, we did 5.8. And then 2023, we just finished the year with 8.5. Uh, we have roughly 50 employees um, on three different divisions. Uh, we do work with some some subcontractors as well. Uh, things that we don't do in-house, uh, gas, electrical, shot crate swimming pools. Um, the rest of the things, you know, pavers, kitchens, fireplaces, landscape, design, uh, marketing, uh, carpentry and fiberglass swimming pools. We do all in-house. Whoa. Can you talk a little bit about that growth mindset? It looks like you were not necessarily stagnant, but you were floating around that million or 2 million mark for a while. And what caused that crazy growth over such a short period of time? Uh, it's an interesting story, actually. I, so I spent a lot of time in Lake Powell. Um, I have a houseboat down there and I was out on a trip with some friends and a buddy of mine kept doing this thing with his hands, right? We took some pictures and I was like, what is this? I don't get this. What is this that you're doing? And most people probably know, you know, it was this, the whole 10X world, Grant Cardone. And uh, we got back to the houseboat and he showed me a video of Grant. And I showed up the computer and I'm like, listen, man, I don't want anything to do with that guy, right? Like intense in your face. And uh, this was probably in August or September of 19. And by January of 2020, I was in one of Grant's mentorship groups. Uh, and back at the time when I was literally in a room with Grant, right? There was a lot of people, but uh, I wasn't working with his teams or his sales teams. I was working with, you know, basically Grant directly and uh, just fell in love with his content, his mindset, his mission, uh, and just decided I was going to push it and uh started to do that um 
got connected with Brandon Dawson about a year later. And then I've been working with Cardone Ventures ever since. Uh, they kind of guide me through the process, right? Because the growth that I have is significant and it's quick. Uh, so I've been working with their teams, just making sure everything's on track, making sure, you know, I's are dotted and T's are crossed. No, absolutely. Do you keep kind of, how does that work? You mean working with them? Are they in your day-to-day -day activities? Do you kind of check in with them month to month? Do they develop a business plan or? Um, so there's obviously there's lots of programs that those guys offer. Um, and I've been through quite a few of them, you know, starting with mentorship all the way to what now is called strategic business unit. So I have a team of five of Cardone Ventures that works with my team every single week. Uh, so we discuss marketing, operations, finance, human resources, and people development slash sales. And we have calls with them uh, Monday through Friday. You know, they vary throughout the week, but we have calls with their team basically every single week, uh, five different times. Wow. And uh, you mentioned initially when you encountered Grant Cardone, it was through you know, a mutual friend. Kind yep. of that he just showed you a video what made you change or why do you have the predisposition of like hey i don't want anything to do with this you know it's funny because my story is very similar to brandon's if you ever heard brandon's story uh you know he sees this initial video and he's like in your face and that's not who i am right i'm i'm not high pressure you know i'm pretty relaxed and laid back and uh the first video i saw was just really 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 intense um, then of course, once you see one of his videos, they don't stop, right? They just keep coming and coming and coming. So he slowly hooked me. Um, I went through some of those programs and, you know, I realized that Grant's a marketing genius, right? He knows how to get your attention regardless of how he gets it. And then after that, there's a lot more behind Grant than a lot of people see via social media. So I got to, you know, go through that and understand, um, you know, what it is he does and how he does it and how he changes people's lives. And he slowly changed mine, you know, over a 12 month period, just going through these programs. Absolutely. Congratulations. That sounds like everything's going extremely well. Is that correct? Thanks, man. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. Um, we're looking at more growth this year. We think we'll probably some land some around 12 million. Uh, recently we had someone reach out about an acquisition, which is pretty exciting. So could be 12, could be 20. An uh, acquisition of your business or you guys acquiring another company? Us acquiring another company. Oh my God. Yeah. It sounds like some a lot of interesting stuff. Yeah, you know, Brandon right now talks a lot about uh, this will be the largest transformation of our transformation of, you know, finances. And, you know, I'm starting to see a little bit of that. So, you know, the guys that were just in it because it was quick and easy, they're all falling apart. Uh, and then the older business owners, right? The ones that are in their 60s, 65, 70, they don't want to go through it again, right? Things are getting a little bit tougher, not crazy in Colorado, but you have to work a little bit harder. Uh, so some of those business owners are looking to exit. Oh, absolutely, man. And in regards to your business specifically, so of course, you know, you've been in business for a long time since 07. And in 2020, this crazy growth happened. Can you tell us a little bit more detail about kind of how you approached it, how it all started in regards to what kind of changed first? Did you decide to take yourself out of the field, hire a sales team, or just go on sales crazy? 
So I made a commitment to myself in January. I said um, that I was going to go after every deal that came in and commit to it through the end. So for all those years, I just cherry picked the deals I wanted, right? I picked all the good ones. I'd go out and meet with clients. Uh, if it wasn't a great deal, I'd walk away from it, right? I'd professional, right? I'd just say, hey, listen, we're not the best fit for this project. Um, then I decided that uh, as the deals came in, I was going to continue to work them, right? You know, the growth mindset, you have to do that. So um, I just pursued the sales side of my business. Uh, I've always been in sales um, since all the way back through high school. So I pursued the business on the sales side and then came across to October and I said, I'm going to sell a million dollars this month. And uh, we had some marketing going. It was pretty heavy in carpentry at the time. We sold like a million two just in decks. Um, so it's all mindset, right? Like if you just tell yourself you're going to do it and follow through and commit to it, it'll happen, right? I think commitment has a lot to do with it. Um, a lot of people will tell you they want to do it, but they don't want to do what it takes to do it. Um, my friend group has changed, right? The people I hang out with have changed. Um, and uh, we made that commitment to do that back in 2020. You know, we knew that things were going to change. Uh, we knew that friendships might change, but we were committed to doing what it was, whatever it would take to grow the business. How did that impact your operations side? In regards to going from how many crews did you have back in 20, like in the beginning of 2020 prior to this transformation? Uh, probably just two. And now you're up to, you said 20 employees, is that right? 50. 50 employees. Yeah, yeah I have five hardscapes crews. Uh, I have five carpentry crews. And then I have um, a company I subcontract, Shot Creek Pools too. Uh, which seems that he's going to be able to keep up with us. And then we have a couple backups just in case. And then uh, crew installing fiberglass pools in-house. And does that 50 include uh, any kind of office uh, employees yeah. like sale? Yeah, we have a, we have an office uh, in any yard. Um, so I have administrative staff. Uh, so my wife works with me. Uh, she handles basically all the day-to-day -day operations inside the office. And then we have an administrative assistant. Uh, we have sales team. Uh, we have sales support. And then we have two in-house project managers. And then we have two superintendents in the field. Um, we have full-time material drivers. So it's, it's more than just the guys in the field for sure. 50 employees. How do you keep kind of uh, you know, a handle on all of that. Are you in day-to-day in -day, uh, aspects of the business or are you more overseeing kind of week-to-week? -week? Uh, no, I'm in the office every day. Uh, I do work from home sometimes, but, uh, you know, we had some challenges this year for sure. You know, everybody does. We had a PM come and go in the, in the pool industry or on the pool side of our business, which forced me to learn it. Uh, I actually, it was good. Right. I was comfortable because I had someone who knew it, but then I didn't. Uh, so I really, really, really quickly learned how to build swimming pools and uh, pretty efficiently, which I think was super helpful. Right. Like we understand it way more now. Um, but most of my day to day uh, is on the operations side. Right. I'm overseeing uh, 
I'm overseeing the sales. I'm overseeing the production. I'm overseeing efficiencies. We spent almost six months implementing Aspire software, which officially went live today in our business, which is super, super helpful. Um, so I'm looking at numbers and finance and planning and uh, we're, we're already planning for 25, right? So like for the last two weeks, we've been planning for 25. All of our plans for 24 are in place. Um, what our growth looks like, who we need to hire, when we need to hire them. So now we're talking about what moves we're going to make for 25. Whoa, that is some incredible stuff, man. This sounds like a tremendous change from, you know, three or four years ago up to now. You got yeah. You know, you go from two crews to 50 employees. That is amazing. Can you talk a little bit about the hiring process of that in such a short amount of period of time? Is there a lot of churn or are you using a third party? Are you doing interviews yourself? So we, we hire in-house. Um, so Rachel starts the process. And a lot of this came from Cardone Ventures. Like, I got to give these guys a ton of credit, right? They've taught us about people and process and systems and budgets and annual planning and quarterly planning and so uh the teams over there have guided us through the process so we have a three-step interview process now um i'm a big believer in the law of attraction uh i haven't had to really go hunt these people down they've come to me um and a lot of that has to do with marketing and image right our brand image is pretty strong so when we do a home show, our competitors' employees will come over and ask if we're hiring, right? Um, they see the differences. They see that things are turning. You know, they see that we're running a business different than a landscape business. Um, but we have a three-step process. So there's a cultural interview. Um, takes 15 minutes. Rachel does it. She basically does a Zoom call. We determine if the person's the right fit, right? Do they align with us? Um, they also learn who we are, what we do. We ask them, right? We ask them what they know about our business. That's important. If they don't know anything about our business on interview one, they're out. Um, we just recently hired a girl for the office. We asked her what she knew about our company. She recited our mission, vision, value, uh, to Rachel like that. It was crazy. Uh, she knew where we were located. She knew what we sold. Um, that's a good candidate right? She wasn't asking um, about personal time off. She wasn't asking about benefits. Uh, one of her questions on interview number one was, what does the growth look like in your company for me? That's, that's someone we're looking for. So if they make it through interview one, then interview number two is a tech interview. Uh, so we basically, Rachel and I will do it together. Um, it's pretty tech driven, right? So we're asking, you know, are they comfortable with software? You know, do they use Google Drive? Uh, are they familiar with HubSpot? Our business has moved pretty heavily into tech in the last 12 to 20 months. So that interview is all about tech, right? In order to work for us, you have to be somewhat familiar on getting around a computer and what those systems look like. And then the last interview is uh, a presentation and basically how they align with the core values of our business. So 
uh, we have core values. They know what they are and they have 15 minutes to present to us how they align with our business. And then after that, we make a decision to make an offer or not. So obviously that's leadership positions, it's office positions, it's admin positions. We don't quite go through that process with the guys in the field, um, but we don't really just hire someone to hire someone, right? If, if Juan says, hey, my cousin's looking for a job, can he come to work tomorrow? Uh, we don't really do that anymore. Um, you know, we want to make sure we understand who they are, where they're coming from, uh, what they're trying to accomplish. We're really, really, really goal-driven. So we have goal meetings with all of our employees. And I want to know what their goals are so that I can understand uh, what's a good fit for them and how are they going to grow inside of our business. And, um, you know, do they want growth, right? Are they looking to just be a laborer or are they coming here because they want to they want to find purpose, right? Are they looking to uh, go from the labor side to a foreman side to a superintendent, right? Th those are the guys that we're looking for. That's some incredible stuff, man. You guys really have that dialed down in regards to, you know, phase one with Rachel to phase three. That's incredible. Congratulations. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Took a while. It was stressful. It was exhausting, but uh, it's starting to click, which is super awesome. No, absolutely. You mentioned that, uh, you know, technology obviously has been a huge impact, I assume, in regards to systems, implementing everything. Can you talk a little bit about the change that's happened in like technology in your business back in 2018 versus now? Uh, definitely. So uh, we're pretty heavy in HubSpot. Um, you know, when it first came around, I was like, what do I need a CRM for, right? I got spreadsheets. I know who my clients are. Uh, I'll just go <laughs> folders inside of Google Drive. Um, but we made the jump, right? We moved to HubSpot. Uh, we started to use just the standard free features. Uh, then they hook you, right? So now we use HubSpot sales. Um, we use HubSpot marketing. Uh, the automation of HubSpot inside of our business is pretty strong. So a client fills out a form for a lead. It automatically goes into our system. Uh, they get an automated email welcoming, welcoming them to Rocky Mountain Outdoor Living, telling them a little bit about our business, letting them know that we'll reach out to discuss their project and set up a consultation. Then, uh, you know, we'll reach out. We'll set up a consultation. And through this process, it moves inside the system, right? Like we can see where a client is uh, sitting inside of our system. So we'll schedule a consultation. It'll send them, you know, an email uh, reminder so that they can put it in their calendar. The day before, the day of, it automatically reminds them that we're coming. Then we show up, we have our consultation, sales leaves. They basically say that the consultation is complete they automatically email them and thank them for their time, right? And these are personalized emails, but my team is not writing them. So, you know, it might say, dear so-and-so, I appreciate your time today. I'm really looking forward to working with you on a design or a layout or so on and so forth. So just doing something a little bit different, right? Above and beyond the normal contractor sales type of business. So um, as we work through the sales process, once the bid goes out, it will ping them in 24 to 48 hours, you know, asking if they have any questions. Um, it moves through and it reminds the salesperson when to call them, right? 
So I think, you know, Avery, Avery's doing sales for us. Uh, at one point this summer, he probably had 60 open bids, uh, eight or $10 million worth of business. You can't keep up with that, right? That That's not, you need software in place, right? So it's telling them, hey, follow up with so-and-so, follow up with so-and-so. Uh, we also have the ability to see when our clients are opening their bids. So the power of that is crazy, right? Like I'm sitting here and so-and-so opens their bid. I give them three to five minutes. I pick up the phone and call them. And they're like, what a coincidence. I'm looking at your bid right now, right? Well, we know you're looking at our bid. Uh, so that's the power of software. And then all the way through from the close, welcome email, thank you. And then it moves through the system of um, contract sent, deposit sent, signed, paid, material choices. So the length of the client life inside of our system is probably 50 movements, but we know where clients are at any time. So I don't sell anymore. Um, I don't know who my clients are personally. Uh, at any given time, I can jump into HubSpot and I can say, okay, uh, we have 14 clients pending in design. We have 10 clients that have budgets in front of them for the last 48 hours. We have 50 clients that have budgets that have been received for more than a month that are a little stagnant. Uh, you know, we have 25 deals that we closed this month. And then, I mean, I can see all of it. So just seeing the big picture and understanding, okay, next month we're trying to hit a million five in sales. What does the pipeline look like? Is there enough in the pipeline to even support it? And if there's not, well, we better start spending more money on marketing to increase the pipeline. Uh, we have an annual marketing budget for the entire year that flows based on what we're looking for from a flow standpoint. So we're not really making decisions like that, but we would be making decisions like, okay, my hardscapes division is booked out 14 weeks and my carpentry division is only booked out seven weeks. Take the money this month and move it out of hardscapes and move it into carpentry and target just carpentry based clients so that we can fill the void. And we did it all year this year. Uh, it was amazing. So we used to do a lot of like uh, print ad advertising. The only problem with that is you can't control it, right? You can't say, oh, this, this month I'm doing really good in this division. Let's move it because you're scheduling print 45 days in advance. So now that I'm pretty heavy in, you know, Google and Facebook and all of those markets, I can move money inside of ads literally on the fly. And are you doing the marketing yourselves? Are you using a third-party company? Because it sounds like, obviously, at this scale, you're putting a good amount of money towards the marketing side of the business. It's significant. Like, it's in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Wow. Um, so we have a girl, Katie, who works for us. Um, we would tell you she's in-house marketing. Um, she handles all of our calls with Cardone Ventures. She handles all of our marketing budgets, the annual budget. She handles all of our content, our ad content. She handles our newsletters to our clients. And then she handles all of our brand image, right? So if you see anything that Rocky Mountain Outdoor Living is attached to, the text is the same, the color is the same. Uh, it's very, 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 very consistent. And that comes working with, you know, the Cardone world, right? Look at anything that Grant touches. It's all the same. It's all red. It's all black. It's all the same text font. Um, same with Cardone Ventures. 
So she handles all of that um, and then comes back to me every other week or once a month and says, Nick, this is where we're at. This is what's going on. Uh, and then I'll tell her, hey, I need more flow in this side of our company. And she'll bring some of the marketing content to me. You know, she'll say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this or doing that. And I'll look at it and approve it. But most of the stuff I tell her, I'm like, listen, I don't need to see it. Just do it. She knows what she's doing. She's been in it for a while. Um, we had to learn Facebook a little bit this year, right? Like we're pretty, we were pretty heavy in Google. Um, and then Google's having some challenges right now with the whole lawsuit thing. So things are changing. So we've moved more of our money from Google to Facebook until they work it out. But um, we're doing basically all of it in-house. I've never worked with a marketing agency ever. And I'm assuming there was a significant learning curve trying to in-house everything in regards to learning Google, learning Facebook and et cetera. So when we went out and found Katie, um, we were looking for someone who knew it, right? Because we didn't. So when we were looking for somebody, we had set these parameters, basically, listen, you have to be able to do this, 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 and this. At the time, it was all Google heavy. Uh, we definitely had to learn the parameters in Facebook. Uh, we did a little trade out with Tanella. Tanella showed us a couple of his tricks to the trade because uh, he was trying to get on the Google side of things and our Google is dialed. Um, and, you know, I'm sure every single day it could be better, right? It's not the best, but it works. You know, in the month of December, I think we probably spent six grand on Facebook and we were getting 12 to 15 leads a week. So the flow is still moving, um, you know, 40, 45 potential leads in the month of December, I would say is pretty good, right? I, most of the guys that I'm working with or talking to right now, they're, December's tough, right? It's tough because of the holidays. It's tough because it's cold. Uh, but the stuff that you guys are doing, uh, if you know how to market and get in front of people, there is no off season, right? Like we don't have an off season. Uh, we're still doing consultations. Our, our crews are still in the field. We're still running strong with every single employee we have. We've laid nobody off for the winter season. Uh, and it's driven by marketing, obviously. Beautiful, man. In regards to the marketing aspect, what would you say your overall kind of, let's say 2022, excuse me, 23 at this point, or 23 in regards to all of your projects, kind of all of your revenue, where do you put the business coming from? Like, is it majority Facebook ads? Is it majority organic referrals with custom builder projects? Or what? how does that break down? This year, I would put it on Google, right? I mean, we were driving Google hard, you know, five, ten thousand $10,000 a month. And uh, what I like about Google is someone goes and finds me, right? So if someone wants a swimming pool, they go to Google and they type in swimming pool builders, Denver, right? I like that because they're actively seeking a contractor. Um, then we have Facebook, right? And I push back on Facebook for months and months and months because where I struggle with Facebook is um, my content is going in front of clients who may not be actively looking for a swimming pool, right? They're sitting at home, they're doing whatever they're doing my ad comes across the table and they're like, oh, well, that's nice. Let me fill out this ad form. 
they have no idea it starts at a hundred, you know, $130,000. And I think the clientele is a little different. We have to actively contact our Facebook leads more frequently just to get the consultation where Google, when we get one, we get them on the phone, they schedule consultation every single time. So some of the guys I talk to in the world of Facebook, they're like, Hey, I'll get you a hundred leads a month, 50 of them. Uh, you'll get a hold of 20 of them. You'll qualify 10 of them. You'll have consultations with and five of them you'll sell. And I was like, what on the Google side of things, if I get a hundred leads, I'm going to have 95 consultations, right? Because, because they're actively seeking me. So what I think Facebook is really, really strong in those brand image, right? Like we're putting a lot of money into Facebook. So people in the community understand who Rocky Mountain Outdoor Living is, right? Who we are, what we do. Um, and then with that, obviously, it also provides flow, right? Um, so we'll get the people on the phone. We have consultations with them. The budgets might not be as good or they might be less educated. Uh, but no marketing is bad, right? Like um, getting out there and getting front in front of people uh, is very powerful for your business, regardless of how you're doing it. You know, there's there's good marketing and bad marketing and you are understanding what you're doing and the money you're spending is working or you're just going online and you're throwing $500 at ads and you're literally just wasting your time because you don't know what's going on. You know, I'm a big believer in if you don't understand how it works, uh, it doesn't matter how much money you throw at it. It'll never, ever work. But when you get around guys who know what they're doing, you know, they'll make $500 work fairly quickly, where if you try to do it yourself, you might throw two or 3000 at it and you don't get anything. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Do you mind, I'm going to take a step a little bit back here. Do you mind going into a little more um, detail since it seems like the brand image is a big priority for you guys? Has that always been the case? And how do you kind of approach the brand side of the business now? Um, I would say brand image has always been important to me, but never on the level that it is now, meaning how consistent it is. So um, I've always been someone who uh, likes my image to be different, right? My logo doesn't have trees in it, doesn't have a river in it has nothing to do with landscape whatsoever. I've built a logo that I could use for anything. Um, it's catchy, right? My team wears it on clothes every single day. They wear it on clothes on the weekends. They wear it on clothes at golf tournaments. Uh, some of our brand image has the name on it. Some of it doesn't. We're trying to build an image so people recognize the logo without the name. So a lot of my clothes don't have the name on it. It just has the logo. But the consistency, right? So size, color, font, uh, style, all of those things are super, super, super important. And then making sure that they're consistent from piece to piece. So if you go on and look at my Facebook ads, there's, I don't know, maybe 10 or 12 running right now. Everyone compliments each other. It's not, okay, this one's big and bold and, you know, has background highlighting. And this one is 
small and sleek. And then this one, you know, screams I'm a landscape contractor. The consistency of them is spot on. And that came from Cardone Ventures, right? They helped me do that, right? We were running some ads. They cleaned them up and they said, hey, let's start, let's start branding the business with some consistency, right? Pick a font you like. That's the only font that goes on every single thing you guys touch. Um, for me, the color is navy, right? I love it. Navy, white. Um, it's clean. It's simple. Um, so those are the things that we do on the marketing side to keep the brand uh, consistent. All of our shirts, exactly the same. Uh, we have a slogan. It's only one, and we use it on everything, right? So... It's not one slogan today and a different one tomorrow and then a different one next month. It is the same thing over and over and over and over. So with time, it will build brand image, right? Um, I have yard signs. They are super unique. Uh, they come on an L-shaped metal frame and they hang about three and a half feet off the ground. They don't look like any landscape sign you see in the ground. They're very clean. They're very simple. Um, people will be like, oh, that's expensive. But that's okay, right? Because we have a $25,000 project minimum. Uh, so that image helps, right? We don't have to worry about those phone calls. Uh, we have a solution when people call and they're under 25 grand, right? We refer them to some other contractors in the Denver area. Uh, coming out of a lot of these networks, right? And we throw a bunch of business their way. But it's hard for my business to mobilize for less than 25 grand, right? You're moving all these guys, you're moving trailers, you're moving skidsters. Uh, it's That's our mark in, our, in order for it to make sense. In regards to like your minimum being 25,000, can you dive into a little more of detail in regards to your financial side of the business specifically? How complex at this scale does, is your estimation process? Because you have to account for a tremendous amount of overhead and all the machinery, all the office stuff, the sales guys, and et cetera. Yeah. So uh, we have every penny accounted for. And uh, knowing your numbers is, is so important. It's, it's crazy, right? We've seen some pretty big players fall in the last 16 months. And they were just winging it, right? And uh, they were all amazing at sales. They were good at marketing, but they were bad at finance. So uh, last year, yeah, last year I went to Know Your Numbers with Ian McCarthy. Uh, that was a, an experience in itself, right? Like we knew our numbers, but man, that guy knows his numbers to like the penny. And going through his program and through his, through his sheets and just bringing some things to my attention that we didn't really account for uh, was super helpful. Being underneath Cardone Ventures finance program is obviously uh, extremely helpful, right? They're building the monthly, quarterly, annual budgets, right? We track them weekly. Like we're watching money move every single week. So inside of my bids, we account for obviously labor. Labor also accounts for overhead. Then we're accounting for materials. We account for subs. Uh, we account for uh, 
um, disposal, and then everything has a markup. So inside of my sales program, I have a different markup based on every division inside my company, but then it even goes further, right? So like I have a markup for swimming pools. My markup for shotcrete is different than fiberglass. Um, I have a markup for carpentry. My markup is different for decking than it is for roofing. So we've built this system to account for uh, the necessary markup per division, per category, per item. And then we also understand what it is, the cost of running our business and the overhead side of things, plus labor. And then obviously equipment, right? So equipment's big. People don't understand that you have to charge for your equipment. Uh, I own five skidsters, five dingoes, two dump trucks, five regular trucks, uh, eight tool trailers, right? And then I have jumping jacks and plate compactors. And like, I have tools on top of tools on top of tools. Um, if it's a significant tool, we charge for it, right? It might only be $12 an hour, right? I charge $12 an hour for a jumping jack, but it's accounted for. Uh, I might only charge $25 an hour for a dingo, but it's accounted for. And in the bid, it doesn't show the client uh, thousand square foot patio, $800 dingo charge, but on the back end, it's accounted for. So when the deal is sold on the operations side, we can see every single tool that it needs to be on site for this project. We know quantities of materials to basically the second decimal point, right? I can tell you that I need 32.15 tons of three quarter inch gravel to build this patio. Um, same with 3H chip, polysand, right? I could tell you that I need 11.4 bags of polysand. Obviously we charge the client for the 12th bag, but uh, I know exactly how much material it takes to build a jump. And then we're tracking it, right? As we're building a project, I can see on the operations back end, okay, uh, this project's 75% complete and we bid 30 tons of three quarter inch, but we purchased 34. Why? Did the guys overexcavate? Uh, does the, does our uh, equation have to be adjusted? Um, so we're tracking things down everywhere, right? We're tracking the money, we're tracking the material. Uh, also, my bid process tells you exactly how many hours it takes to do a job. So uh, when a job is complete and sold and the job packets are printed out, it will tell you that this job requires 410.5 hours to build. And we track it through the entire process. If we're 50% of the way through the projected time to build the job and we're over hours or under hours, we want to know why. And what we're going to do to adjust for it to make sure we hit it. Because if you don't hit it, then you're off budget, right? And before you know it, profit goes away real quick. I'm I'm writing some notes down, by the way, because this is an sure. incredible amount of just amazing information. Thank you for sharing all of those details, first of all. I'm sure everybody listening appreciates this tremendously. Um, are you using a certain estimating software? And then how did you develop these equations that you know that you're mentioning uh so i use aspire um i went through a couple different softwares uh 
I was an investor in a software that didn't really take off. Um, and then I spent some time with Ian and he's like, Nick, just look at Aspire, right? There's a reason the top 150 of 300 landscape companies are using it. Uh, and so I, so I sat down, I went through it. I went through a couple of their presentations and I was like, man, this is powerful. This thing is crazy powerful. So then I onboarded it in April, biggest mistake I've ever made, right? Onboarding a software during the busiest time of the year was challenging. And especially the growth year we had, right? I could onboard a software this year, um, but onboarding a software is basically a full-time job. So we would go through onboarding calls weekly. The next week would come up and I would be like, man, I just don't understand what's going on here. This is crazy. I don't know how to use it. We paid them $10,000 to onboard us, right? And we, we, will, we graduated, right? They call it. You graduated from the software. We graduated and I sat here and I was like, oh my God, I don't know how to do anything. Like I have no idea where to even start. So we actually stopped using it for like four months. We paid for it every single month. We didn't use it. And then... Uh, we got reconnected with Aspire. We went to one of Ian's events and Aspire was there and they called on one of my people that I sent out there and they said, hey, you guys are using Aspire. Tell us how it's going. And she said, you want to know the truth? And he said, yeah, I want to know the truth. And she said, we haven't logged in since the day we graduated. And I think he was shocked, right? He was like, uh, okay. So they got us some attention pretty quickly. Uh, we got to the point of the year where we could start focusing on it a little bit more. It wasn't anybody's fault, right? We were moving hundred miles an hour. They onboarded the software, not super specific to my company. So we've recently started onboarding maybe in the last 60 days again, but we're moving at an insanely quick pace, right? Like we basically onboarded it in 60 days and it's functioning as of today. Through the process of Aspire and going to know your numbers, it made me really, really, really understand uh, how you price a job. Uh, there's so many guys out there that are like, hey, how much do you charge per square foot? And I'm like, 35, but that's not going to apply to you. And he's like, well, if you're charging 35, then I'm going to charge 35. And you would think, okay, a bigger business is charging 35. I could charge 35 and be okay because they're bigger than I am. But what they don't realize is as you get bigger, your efficiencies get better. Your equipment costs less, right? A skidster doesn't cost me 75 grand for one crew, right? Like we have it spread over multiple crews. So the, the cost of it is actually less. I'm probably running it significantly more than they are. So I'm charging $30 an hour and they should be charging $50 an hour. So there's a lot of groups out there right now. And the most common question is, hey, what do you charge for this? Hey, what do you charge for that? Hey, what do you charge for this? And that needs to be fixed, right? That is probably the biggest reason companies rise and fall because they just have no idea. So I, during the process of Aspire, have built production sheets for every single thing you can do in the landscape world. Uh, carpentry, pools, all of it. Uh, I could tell you how long it takes to plant one tree and every single piece of material that goes with it, right? So I have production sheets inside of 
uh, Google Sheets. I've been working on them for a while. I've been working on them with some of the guys uh, in some of the groups. And we just sit down and we just, for hours and hours, build these production sheets, right? Like, what does it take to build a a paper patio that's at elevation? So from excavation to compaction, uh, subgrade, compacting the subgrade, actually laying the pavers, screening the sand, putting in the poly sand, packing the tools and leaving the job site. Our system will tell you. And while we were building Aspire, I was like, man, the value of this is crazy. Like, could you imagine when you started your business if someone said, hey, I got production sheets for every single thing you do. Just being able to start there, right? Your production and my production are different. But just understanding, okay, Nick just shared his paper production sheet with me. Uh, Not only does it help me understand where they're at from a labor standpoint, which will vary, right? But the process is the same. You're using three quarter inch. I'm using three quarter inch, right? We use three eighths chip. You might use sand. You know, we build hybrid. Some guys don't build hybrid, but the process is the same, right? You still need a jumping jack. You still need a plate compactor. You still need subgrade rock. You still need a screed base material. You need pavers, right? Can't build a paver patio without pavers. Poly sand, right? So the process of getting started, if you already know what it takes to do it, you're a hundred times ahead of the game. This is some incredible stuff, man. Um, Aspire, Aspire, as you know, I would say at least is more of a advanced software. Um, how would you recommend people like switching to it? Is there a certain kind of mark revenue in your business that you're like, hey, you need to upgrade for some from something more basic to this? Or I would tell you. So obviously, there's lots of softwares out there, right? And I don't know a lot about all of them. Um, I would tell you the biggest mistake I made was I didn't start with a software, right? My business didn't have a software until this year. I did $8 million worth of revenue with no software. Uh, don't do it. Prom- I promise you. If I started putting a software behind my business back in 2007, eight or nine, I'd be at $50 million with my eyes closed. No questions asked. Um, I know that Aspire probably doesn't take clients on until about 2 million. So when you get started, that's okay. Just find something that's a good fit, right? Find something that helps you manage production, uh, that helps you bring in material costs and know what they cost, right? Build out labor costs. Because I, I see a lot of guys out there and they're like, oh, you don't need a software, software is bullshit, right? You don't need a software until you hit four or $5 million. This is what a software prevents, human error, right? Um, I use this with my, my team all the time. I'll use it with you. If I asked you to go get me all the parts that were needed for an irrigation system with no list, just go get them. You'd come back and you'd be missing 10. You'd go back and go get those 10 and you'd come back and you'd be missing two, right? And it's this constant back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Um, so I told my superintendents and project managers this year you're going to manage five crews a piece and they said that's impossible and they said it's not so i showed them how i was going to give them their time back i said how long would it take for you to go buy me one zone of irrigation parts and bring it back to the office they said two and a half hours 
I said, and how much more time for you to go back and get the things that you're missing until we can actually build it correctly? They're like, uh, let's say an hour, right? Let's say a half hour. So it's three hours. Uh, our software. So the first thing I did was I said, okay. And I pulled up a zone of irrigation in my software and I handed them a material list. And I said, okay, go get me these parts, how long it's going to take. They said, oh, it'll take an hour, right? They already know what they need now. I said, okay. And I spun the software around and I clicked on all the items and I hit order. I said, now, how long is it going to take? And they're like, about as long as it takes to walk in the door, grab them and bring them back. So we went from two and a half hours to like five minutes. So I apologize interrupting you. You just said uh, you can order via software. Is that correct? Yeah. So I can literally go into purchasing and I on a project and I can click irrigation and every irrigation part for that job will pop up and I can just hit check, 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 order, send it. Uh, and then my vendor will pull it. They walk in the door, pick it up and go to the jump site. So can you do that? Less than 2 million? You can, right? But it's the human error. Uh, we've been bidding for years and Avery would say, Nick, um, how do you know that? And I'm like, dude, I just know. And he said, but how? And I said, I can't explain it, right? So I charge $1,000 a foot for kitchens. And he's like, how'd you come up with that number? I said, uh, I don't know how I came up with that number. Well, we build out a production sheet for it. Our cost to build it with uh, profit, $998 a foot. I was off by $2. Uh, I never sat down and actually calculated it. I kind of just knew, but you can't scale that, right? You can't grow a business when the business is dependent on you. So I have now put something in place so that Avery and Virginia and my sales team can bid with confidence and understanding what the cost is and why, right? So you can bid on spreadsheets, there's no doubt. But if I said, okay, I want you to build me a patio it's elevated. I want a fire pit. I want a kitchen and I need a seating wall. There's human error in that process, right? What if you forget the gas line and you sign a contract and the homeowner's like, and you, and you go back to the homeowner and you're like, Hey, I need to put a gas line and it's two grand. And I'm like, okay, why are you telling me? Well, I didn't charge you for it. I told you I wanted a kitchen and I told you I wanted a fire pit. What do you mean you missed it? Right? That's the human error of the software. On my software, when you go in and you pick those items, it populates all of that stuff so you can't miss it. So when you initially build the software, sure, there's room for error. There's a ton of room for error. But as you build it and then you go build a job, right? So I, so I would build a template and then I go build a job with the template. And I would tell my team, here's the deal. You do not buy it if it's not on the sheet. Even if you know you need it, you don't buy it, right? So then we go out in the field, we build the job. The job is missing product. All of that comes back to me. We go back into the system. We adjust it. We fix it. Let's say our labor was off. We determine if the labor was off because we were inefficient or was the labor off because the ground was frozen or was the labor off because it just isn't possible to build something that fast, right? Then we adjust the labor. So as you build these things and you put them through the field, you only have to trial and error them one time. We trial and error them with jobs we already sold. So if they were off, they were off. It didn't matter, right? Like we were already under contract with the client. I was already committed to building this project. 
So I literally built it on projects that we already sold. And then we used those projects to determine if there was error in the process. And then we fixed it. So now moving forward, um, I know what my target gross margin is. Uh, my sales team can sell to that gross margin. They can't go lower without approval. If they put something in the software and the gross margin comes out at 60% and our target's 45, my salespeople are hungry and they're motivated by money. So they're not going to just discount it because if they do, they know that that's going to take money out of their pocket. But if they're working with a client and they're like, hey, you know, we really want to work with you guys. The value is amazing. Um, we've been talking with two other companies that are very comparable to yours. You guys are off like by five grand, right? Avery can go into the system and see the difference in the margin and he can make that decision on his own, right? He can be like, hey, I need to be at 45. I'm already at 60. If I work with the client a little bit, I'm still going to be at 50. I'm higher than the margin Nick wants to hit. I'm going to adjust it. I'm going to give the client the discount as necessary if he needs to. He'll sell the deal and we're off to the next one. He doesn't have to come to me and say, hey, Nick, you know, Mrs. Jones uh, really wants to do business with us, but we're off by a little bit. What can we do to make this happen? He doesn't have to ask me anymore. He knows. The system already tells him. So scaling my sales side of my business can be done without me being present. You mentioned that in regards to some, you know, errors, human errors that happened in regards to previous things that you estimated during the project happened, you know, you kind of sit down, correct the errors, adjust things as needed. How often are you doing that? Because of course, longer projects that include pools, patios, and full outdoor living space can be, you know, weeks and weeks, months of work. So uh, we added an internal project manager. His job is to basically take the project from sales and review it and understand if something is missing, right? So we sell a job, then we do a pre-job takeoff. The software does it for us now, but he would basically look at it and say, okay, is something missing? If it is, we adjust it. If it's not, off to construction. During construction, these jobs are being monitored every day. I can log into the software and look at the dashboard for every single crew I have and tell you if the labor is off or not. Um, I don't have to wait until the job is over to tell you that I've missed materials, right? So when we go to purchasing and we purchase 100 linear feet of two inch pipe, we go to the job, we bring up 100 linear feet of two inch pipe, they're short 40 feet, right? In order for us to order it in the system, we have to go back into purchasing and order 40 more feet. The software will throw me a flag and it will say, Nick, or project manager or superintendent, this bid called for 100 feet. You have now purchased 140. So right then and there, we know there's a problem. We don't have to wait until it's over. So we can make the adjustment every single day that there would that basically we would catch it, right? We don't catch it when it's over. We catch it daily. So if it has provided you with an amount of materials that you need and you exceed it, you might get an email, you might get a notification on your dashboard, but you will know. It won't wait until the end to say, hey, uh, congratulations, you finished your job. Oh, by the way, 
you missed your mark on this, 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 and this. You know you've missed your mark as soon as you've missed it. And these are some incredible things. I appreciate you sharing all of those details. I'm, I mean, you know, alone in the last 10 minutes, this is like a year worth of systems that anybody <laughs> could implement into their business. Yeah. About the right. I mean, it's a lot. You know, I, here's the thing. Like I paid a lot of money to learn all of this. Uh, I try to give back, right? I work with um, some of the young and up and coming uh, business owners and in multiple of these groups, right? I think you work with Justin Anderson, right? Yes, sir. Um, I also work with Justin Anderson, right? I don't charge him a penny, right? He He's come out to my home. He stays with my wife and I. Uh, I bring him into the field and I'm like, what do you want to learn? I put him with my carpentry project manager. I put him with the sales team. He wants to see role play. I let him sit on in on role play. He called me yesterday. He's like, hey, I have a really, really good opportunity on selling a fiberglass pool he's like um i want to be the client i said okay go ahead and we just role played it while i was driving down the road right so i try to help him you know with that kind of stuff i'm working with the boys at cutting edge um they just made the commitment to aspire so you know same deal uh, i'll sit down and have lunch with them once a month and they tell me they're like nick we can't write fast enough and we meet once a month, but the things that you tell me take six months to put in place. And I'm like, it's all right, man. Just, just keep taking all the information you can and build it as you need it, right? There's things you're not going to need that I need right now. Um, but as you grow, you're going to need these things. So my target right now is 50 million, right? So when I'm chasing 50 million, these are the things I need. Cardone Ventures helps me make sure that on my journey to 50 million, I don't miss something, right? Could you imagine being at 20 million and not having this process in place? You'd go up and you'd come right back down. So I have had mentors that have failed. And I will tell you some of the mentors in this industry that have failed. I learned more from them than I've learned from anybody because what I learned from them or the mistakes not to make, right? And it's unfortunate to say that, right? They're all good people. Uh, I still communicate with a bunch of them frequently to see how they're doing. But if I didn't watch their journey, I never would have known, right? So I could have made that mistake. But I would tell you that there's more value learning from someone who's made mistakes to make sure that you don't make those mistakes because you don't know what's coming, right? I don't know what's coming. Uh, Cardone Ventures knows what's coming and that's why they're guiding me. Their business is doing 130 million. Uh, they talk about all these breakpoints, right? There's a breakpoint between one and three, three and eight, eight and 15. They're spot on. Um, I hit a breakpoint without something in place. It damn near killed me. Um, I don't want to do that again, right? So... Um, if I can do some of these things and help educate them back, um, that's how I give back, right? My why is to help others, right? Inside and outside of my organization, right? Avery made more money than he's ever made in his life this year. I would be willing to bet you that he probably made more money than his parents too. Uh, 20 years old, 
150 grand. He's on top of the world, right? He came back to me yesterday and he said, Hey, I want to know what it's going to take to make 190 grand. I said, no problem. I will guide you down the path. You will get there. It's, that is not a problem at all. Um, I want to help my team grow, right? I want to help my team. This is why goals are so important for us. I want to understand what my team's goals are because I want to help them get there. And, you know, when uh, people reach out, you know, it happens on Instagram, you know, they'll say, hey, can you help me with this? Hey, I need a little bit of advice. Hey, what's going on here? Uh, I'm busy, right? Things are crazy and hectic, but I try to take a minute to give back, right? You and I, we never talked before this phone call, right? Other than some text messages and maybe some things here in Goat Gang. Um, I have a I have a layout for what my day looks like today, right? You reached out yesterday and said, hey, I'd love to have a call. I said, yeah, let's do it. Uh because it's helpful, right? It's helpful for everybody in the community that's going through the same things that I'm going through. And if they're not going through them today, they will be tomorrow or next year or the year after. No, exactly, man. And I do really appreciate this call. I know we're kind of coming up on our one hour mark here. So I'll try to kind of wrap up my last two questions into kind of one. Um, sure. You mentioned your big goal for your business. Your personal goal is hitting that 50 million kind of mark. Can you talk a little bit in regards to your approach to it because we, you know like you mentioned throughout the podcast we see a lot of people go down a lot of yeah. companies unfortunately it's not something i'd wish on anybody but i from my angle at least i think their big issue is you know let's say they have that 50 million dollar goal they have the goal for you know to go from 2 million to 50 in like a year and a half or two years while you're approaching it much more strategically and yeah. uh, you know, much more calculated. Can you kind of elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah. So uh, you said it, strategic growth, right? From zero to a million, pretty normal. From a million to three, pretty normal. From three to six, pretty normal. From two to 10, uh, you'll make it for a year or two and that's it, right? Like, and that's what we've seen. Right? We've literally seen companies go from two to 10 in a year. Um, the other thing is, is when you're growing like this, you have to be willing to invest, right? Get yourself around people that have done it, right? Understand how to do it. You could go from zero to 50 million in 10 years, or you can go from zero to 50 million in 20 years. It's just a matter of, do you want to try to do it yourself or not? And how many mistakes do you want to make on the way? So um, we have strategically planned the path to 50 million, right? We know what it's like. I already know my revenue for next year. And I already know my revenue for 25. Um, could we speed that up with acquisitions? We could, right? Could I go from eight to 50 million in two years? I could. Um, as you put processes in place, right? And you put softwares in place and they're proven, right? Don't just put them in place and think that you're like, okay, I'm ready to acquire a business. But when you put your processes in place and your systems in place and your software in place and it works, the fastest way to 50 million is acquisition, right? So you can buy this company and that company and this company and bring them all in under your umbrella and move much quicker than building it in-house right? It takes a little bit longer, but 
I would tell you that the systems and the processes have to be in place first. The most important part of getting to anything past 12 million is what you do between three and eight. And between three and eight, it's process, 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 process. We are hiring a new project manager right now. Um, I have a process on how I hire him, how he onboards, and how he trains. And it is very, 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 very clear, right? I already told you about the hiring. It's a three-step process. Bam, 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 right? Then there's onboarding. And we have an onboarding program. And on day one, he walks in the door. And Rachel's not like, hey, Nick, the new PM's coming in. Are you ready? And I'm like, it doesn't even matter, right? We just pull up the PM onboarding process, bring him in, get him his computer, get him his phone, you know, show him where he's going to be working, share the PM onboarding document with him. He opens it up and it literally tells him exactly what to do step by step by step from uh, setting up your cell phone to setting up your email um, to watching this video, watching that video. And then we have a program called Tell Me, Show Me, Let Me. And it basically breaks down what it is to be a project manager inside of our company. Every single task you're required to do and how to do it. So task number one, tell me. I tell them what the task is, right? I tell them what that means, what it is to do that job. Then I show them, right? So here's your task. I told you what it is. Here's your task. I show you how to do it. Here's your task. You show me how to do it, right? So tell me, show me, let me. Tell me how to do me. Tell me how to do it. Show me how to do it. Let me do it. He might have 20, 25 key tasks. We go through every single one of those. Probably takes a month. By the time we release him into his position, he knows exactly what to do, right? Between three and 8 million, when you build those processes, getting to 50 is a lot easier. If you're trying to get to 50 and you don't have that in place, you're going to fall on your face every time because you're going to bring people in and you're probably going to acquire good people, but you can't keep them, right? Because they're going to walk in the door and they're going to be like, this is a shit show. I'm out of here, right? Good people are hard to find. Good people are hard to keep good people walk in the door and they know if this is a good fit or not. So um, process, 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 right? We document and process everything. How to submit a permit, how to submit a homeowners association documentation, how to do a takeoff, how to order materials, how to pick up a trailer, right? And it sounds very, very entry level, but when your business has all of that, it allows you to scale and it allows you to exit. And I have lots of people who watch me uh, and say, Nick, it's just another construction company. You don't have reoccurring revenue. This is not sellable. That's bullshit. If a business can run without the principal, it is 100% sellable. I have proven track record, right? Yes, you have to spend money on marketing to get flow, to get your sales team to sell a job, to do it. 
Does a business that have reoccurring revenue maybe have a little bit larger EBITDA? Maybe. But here's the thing. If you're in the maintenance world, you still got to re-sign the contract, right? Just because you have reoccurring revenue doesn't mean it's not guaranteed. So we will sell based on relationships, right? With uh, designers. You know, that's a big thing that Ian's doing. And I asked Ian, I said, Ian, when you go to exit your company, how are you going to show the value? He's like, Nick, I'm going to show the repeat business with this designer over and over and over and over and over. That's my reoccurring revenue, right? That's the value to exiting my business. So I would tell you process and early as you can, because I am writing 17 years worth of processes and it's, it's a challenge, right? It's a lot of work to go back and be like, okay, I got to write a process for that, right? Like that's so entry level, but because it's entry level to me, doesn't mean it's entry level to the person that you're hiring, right? How to strap a load down to a trailer. We have a process. Nick, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for sharing all of the valuable information. For everybody listening and watching this live in the group, can, where what's the good way to reach out to you if anybody wants to talk to you a little more and learn more about your business, Rocky Mountain Outdoor Living, and et cetera? Um, Facebook's fine. Instagram's good. Uh, on Instagram, I think it's Nick underscore Lippet. Uh, Rocky Mountain Outdoor Living's on there too. Um, pretty heavy on my personal pages. Um, they can reach out to you. You can connect them with me. Um, but social media is a good way, right? You can email me. Uh, if you go to Rocky Mountain, rmlandscape.net, uh, you'll find some of that information on there as well. But uh, yeah, if you have any questions, if you're going through something that's a challenge, let me know. Um, I'll do what I can do to help you or I'll connect you with somebody on my team that can help you. Do you have any kind of final words you want to final words to me you want to live lead with? Uh, dude, I appreciate the time, right? This was awesome. Uh, I don't know. This is my first podcast ever, right? So this is the first time I've done this. Uh, a big goal for me this year is to get uncomfortable and get in front of people, right? Cardone Ventures, my marketing team, they want me in front of a camera. Uh, you might not think that it's a challenge for me, it's a challenge. It's really, really hard for me to open my phone and turn on the camera on Instagram and record a 10 second clip. I struggle with that every day. So you reaching out, I mean, this is January 1st, right? Exactly. Uh, I've never done this before. Uh, it's uncomfortable, right? Once you get going, you get going and it just flows. But um, I appreciate the invite, right? This was awesome. Uh, we could talk for hours. Exactly. And, you know, as, as you grow through your journey, um, I'm sure you have a hundred more questions. Uh, I'd be happy to jump on another call and go through them. No, we'll do for sure. We didn't even cover like the top of the iceberg. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible. I was looking at my notes and I was like, oh my God, I got like 15 more questions to ask. But sure. No, I appreciate it, brother. Hey, I hope you have a happy new year. Get all of those goals done, and uh, I'll see you on the next one. For sure, we'll do a second episode. Yeah, thanks, man. Happy South, man. Have a great day. Later.